So let's get into it. First off, have you ever ridden horses? I feel like you have. Like you like the black Pocahontas just riding horses bareback and everything. I like that vision that you just kind of just, my goodness, conjured up. I have ridden horses before, but no, I'm not a black Pocahontas. So <laughs> nothing, nothing like that. Nothing like that. But um, I actually had a great experience. So the very first time I rode a horse, I was a little girl. I was probably four or five years old. Oh, you're brave. I know. No, but it was so fun. And so my mom took me to her homeland. So my homeland, which is the island of Haiti, never been before because I was born here in the States. But she took me back and she wanted me to meet her dad. And my granddad had a ton of land and lots of animals, just, you know, one of those classic, you know, cowboy-ish, but on, in the islands, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I picture the black and version of Princess Bride. <laughs> here, we, here we go. You and these. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even know what to say. These connections, <laughs> these correlations, but anyway so i was there and my granddad was like i'm gonna put you on this horse and he had this massive horse and i just remember that we were going up this mountain and he's like go ahead and get on the horse and he picks me up and puts me on this horse and for me it was scary but it was also fun because my mom was there my granddad was there was a bunch of people so it was kind of exciting, but I had such a great experience because he's like an expert writer, right? And mm -hmm. it was just nothing to it. He had that, he had just control over the horse. So for me, that was my first experience. So I always connect horses with just the first time meeting my granddad, getting on a plane, flying to an island. It was just many firsts for me, but it was great. No complaints. And I, and have I been on a horse since then? I have. I have. I'm not a professional or anything like that, but I'm not afraid of them. I like them. So it was a good experience. See, what about you? I feel like your story just is magical and mine just didn't turn out that way at all. And I, let me say sorry in advance. Yeah, I definitely have childhood trauma <laughs> around. Well, okay. So let me kind of just start. My first encounter with horses was so in Virginia. And uh, area called the Eastern Shore. So for the older millennials, if you ever saw the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, True Lies, the bridge yes. that they're on with all the explosions <laughs> and all this stuff is the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, which oh, wow. is in Virginia. And it's taking you to like the countryside, like the back roads way from the main highway to essentially like get up to like the Maryland area and the DC area. So we okay. call that the Eastern Shore. And there's an area there, Shinkatig, where you can see the wild horses do their migration every year. Wow. And you can see them like out running around. Oh, it sounds beautiful. It sounds magical. It, it does. Oh, man. Like the book. <laughs> it just sounds wonderful. So flash forward, I was probably a little bit older. I was probably somewhere between five and eight. And... My parents are trying to figure out what to do with me. So, you know, like most parents, you try and get kid out in soccer, ballet, all these different things. So somebody got the bright idea to, hey, well, why don't we have her horseback ride? So I remember on this particular day, and as kids, we don't typically choose our outfits, not at that age range. You're so right. I'm going to blame my parents. I'm, okay. I'm going to come out and blame my mom and dad. 
But I remember wearing Diddy White before we called it Diddy White. I had the white kids. I had this cute little white outfit. I was feeling myself. Just got my hair done to ride horses. So that tells you how much my parents knew about riding horses or I wouldn't have been dressed that way. So (laughs) we show up. We're walking out to the field. They're getting us used to the horses. We're feeding them carrots and apples and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. I go to step to get on the horse. So I didn't even get Mm -hmm. on the horse yet. I trip. I fall. My foot gets caught up in a pile of of horse poo. And I fall in horse poo. And kids are savage. They're savage today and they were savage then. So what do you think are the nicknames that I got teased with being the girl that not only stepped in horse poo, but tripped and fell in horse poo? I hated horses from that moment moving forward. Oh my goodness. Did you even get on the horse after that? I didn't. I walked away with poo on my shoe, poo in my hair. in tears. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a bad experience. So I, oh I watch goodness. horses from the distance. Hey, horses, horse lives matter. But as far as me getting on horses and like interacting with them, I was like, never again. Mm-mm. Well, we're going to have to have you recreate or reenact that experience just now. Like it's just, you're missing out on so much. And I mean, we had just the pleasure of speaking with Brittany Chambers and if anything, coming off of that conversation with her, I feel like if anyone can teach us how to ride, um, it would be her. Cause I mean, this is when you talk about someone's ministry, this is her all day. And it was just an absolute hoot talking to her and kind of getting to see what she does, how she got into it. So I think Brittany's the one for you. <laughs> Not a hoot though. A hoot? <laughs> it, it was a hoot because she had Yes, because she had this cat that she got all kinds oh, of the farm cat animals. Gretchen. She got a whole bunch of farm animals like going on. So it was just interesting talking to her because it's exactly what you think about when you think about someone who trains um the horses and works with horses and then helps people and that also has that as part of like there's their it's just it's just everything about it yeah. right yeah. and so when you think about it and she started talking about some of just the farm animals and i say farm you know not that she's in this big farm because i mean there's stables and everything but she was just talking about some of the animals that's on site and i was like yeah you know i just i expected her to say that I absolutely expected her to say that. Yeah, so. that's true. Because she, she's got like a real live Charlotte's Web situation going on. But it's she horses, does. it's cats, and it's mice. So, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. And she has a, a cat that is supposed to be watching the mice, not playing with the mice. But Gretchen, the cat, has her own vibe about herself. Exactly, exactly. So please listen in because we got some clips from our interview with her where she kind of just shares with us how she got into it, what she was doing in school, was this something that she thought about? And I think you guys will really appreciate getting to know Brittany and her story. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just, it was awesome, Rachel, kind of just talking with her. Yeah, so let's take a listen and we'll hear her in her own words next. At PGD, you're not just a listener, you're family. Is there a career you'd like us to explore or a success story you'd love to share and have us highlight on one of our episodes? We'd love to hear from you. 
email us at pgdfam at gmail.com. Subscribe to our show so you can get notified when new episodes drop. Help increase our reach with a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. We always kick things off with kind of our inaugural question. So before we get into what you do now and how it is working in your space, let's talk about the you before all of this happened. Let's go back to high school. Let's take a look at your junior, senior year. As you're getting ready for that time period to transition out of high school, did you know at that time what you wanted to do? If you wanted to go to university track or were you kind of like a lot of people and you just had no idea? I honestly had no idea at all. Um, To be honest, I was just an athlete, you know, like just running my way through school. My grades were okay, Mm. but I didn't know anything um, about college. I knew nothing about application process, nothing, none of that, you know, and I can't blame anybody because if you're not exposed to it, you don't know. So Mm. I had friends that went to college. So I, you know, blame nobody for that, but I literally had no idea. I've been around horses since I was a kid, like my like ever since I was born. Mm-hmm. So I knew I enjoyed that, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I didn't really think of it as a career. So my senior year in high school comes, I literally applied to no colleges, like nothing, nothing at all. I had no yeah. idea. On a whim, I remember I was sitting in art class and I get a letter from one of the junior colleges out here. It said, hey, come run track for us. I was like, well, okay, I guess, you know, like, what else am I going to do? And my mom just told me, you're either going to go to college or you're going to work. You're going to do one of the two. So yes, I ended up uh, going to college. Well, actually, let me backtrack a little bit. My senior year in high school, I did my senior project on um, something that has to do with horses. But the Mm. paper that I wrote, I discovered a therapeutic horseback riding. And I had no idea that was a thing, you know, because when you're in high school, you don't really think about being a therapist or something, you know, mm-hmm. something of that nature. So I was like, wow, therapeutic horseback riding, that's pretty cool. Then I said, okay, I want to open my own therapeutic horseback riding program one day. Nice. And that's always been a dream. So then I go off to college um, at 17 and I did not touch horses for almost five years. I um, ran track in college. I got my associate's bachelor's and a master's degree. I ended up getting a full ride scholarship for track to college, so that paid for it. Um, and then when I moved back to California, that's when I did work in corporate America for five, six, six or seven years and t- before I had left. So even until then, like I knew that's what I wanted to do in 2008. But I was still kind of just like going through things. I went to college for counseling and stuff. So Mm. I really didn't figure out how to do until I had to make the leap into running my academy full time. Yeah. Mm. So she shared a lot with us, Rachel. Mm. I mean, so let's let's take it back a little bit. You said some things that we've heard time and time again. One is you had no idea what you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So, and that's okay, right? And that's common and that's fine. But yet you were determined to do something. Number two, I am from that same school of thought. So I know you're graduating high school. You either got to get a job or you're going to be in someone's classroom. Mm -hmm. But what you're not going to do is sit here all day in fucking air, right? That was it. So that was motivation to kind of get you out there to figure something out. So I, I heard that. And then three, you had a dream in the mm-hmm. sense of you knew you wanted 
something you wasn't sure. So although you didn't do it for four to five years, you never forgot that. So which means mm -hmm. sometimes it may not happen to you right away. Don't give up. Don't think it's over. But, you know, kind of still persevere, still kind of go through. Because I'm sure all the classes that you were taking and those lessons learned in that time period, it is playing, paying dividends now oh, in your business really, and everything it else. Really is. So, it so really there's always is. a lesson to learn, hmm. um, no matter what your journey is. And I think that's that's okay. And people need to know that like you may not have it all figured out up, up front, but mm -hmm. there's lessons along the way. Just don't shun it. Just mm -hmm. embrace it and you'll be surprised. Yeah. Definitely because all of the jobs I had in corporate America that I worked after I quit, I'm partnered with those same types of businesses and companies. I'm so oh, okay. wow. like, it's literally crazy because yeah. we are partnered with a group home that comes out once a week. And I told them, I was like, you know, I used to run a group home, right? And we used mm -hmm. to go to someone else's therapy program. So like working in the system with um, those who might have mental health, disabilities, addiction issues, anything like that. Those are the some of the populations that we serve, but I have worked in those populations yeah. and at programs like that. So I'm like, look, I know how the government contracts work. You know, I know how so many things work in corporate America. Yeah. So when I go to partner with these businesses and other organizations, I'm like, mm -hmm. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh, and I, I mean, that, that that's critical. Mm -hmm. That That's critical. So, I mean, again, it's like you're going through your journey, but you're still picking up pieces that you're able to use later. Mm -hmm. And that's the benefit of it, because time and time again, like sometimes you're in a position and I can recall being in a position and then you're like, I'm not going to give it to my all because this is not what I want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. But then sure enough, you never know who you come across who may remember how you treated them in a sense of the level of service you gave them. Yeah. And they'll either handle hand you their business card and like, hey, give me a call. I could, mm -hmm. I could use you somewhere else. So it's always important to keep that in mind. You may not be where you think you want to be, but you don't know mm -hmm. who you're interacting with. And like they say, you never want to burn bridges. Mm -hmm. um, nope. Just those, those point know. of contacts. And here you are years later, you know, you're like, Hey, this is familiar. This sounds like something I've navigated through. And, mm -hmm. and now you know how to just move in those different environments. Exactly. Oh, so yeah. there you have it, people. The person that I'm you flip you. the bird in traffic today could be the person that you sit across <laughs> from a business perspective It's true tomorrow. because even though I left, I still see other people who moved on to other jobs, but they're still like, hey, I know this one girl I used to work with. She does this now. Yeah. You know, it's like I still keep in touch with so many people from my past. Um, that I've come across because, hey, we might need each other one day. Mm. So, exactly. So tell us about that transition. So you went to school, you went the path of counseling, you also then went into corporate America. So you're, you're mm -hmm. understanding and, and learning all of the different aspects of group home, mental health, um, mm -hmm. addiction, and, and from the therapeutic side of it. But what was that pivotal moment that allowed you to cross over to now what you already had a passion for all along, mm -hmm. which was mm -hmm. horses and then pairing right. that with the counseling and the mental health aspect. So what made me make the leap was, this is when I learned about government and contracts and how they control you with money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like, I needed this money, but you have to do this. And the, the job I worked for had lost a contract and a temporary contract had came in, but they weren't signing it. So every month it was like, 
it was like a month to month contract. So month to month, we didn't know if we were going to have our jobs or not. So I said, okay, look, so I was applying to all these places, but I'm so picky with how I am, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I'm not going to work at a job that I'm not going to be happy in. So that's one thing I always held true to myself is I'm going to be happy wherever I am. So I booked up my roster and I said, well, I got two months worth of clients. Mm -hmm. I have my little savings account set and I left the Monday after Thanksgiving because I wanted holiday pay. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's you a bold right. move. I you mean, you were turkey stuffed and everything. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm good. Yeah. And then the Monday after Thanksgiving, um, I left and I have never looked back. And that was in 2019. And ever since then, yeah. when I left, I had 30 clients on my roster and now I have 110. Oh, I had 30 clients and two horses it was me my two horses and now i have you know like six horses and over a hundred clients but i wouldn't have been able to grow and when you talk about burning bridges i always made sure that i can always go back to one of the jobs i worked at Mm. so i did i hit him up i said hey i might you know hey i might want to come back like oh we'll make a position for you so i still stay good with everyone and honestly the bosses at the job I was at, they knew I was leaving. Mm -hmm. It was no, it was no surprise that I didn't have a therapy program. They all knew it. Mm -hmm. And I said, one day, you know, I do want to do this. So they knew let Brittany get off work early or make sure she gets off on time because she has to go give her lessons. Um, you know, so when I walked to my boss's office, she goes, girl, I know you go live your dream. (laughs) You know, because I didn't keep it a secret. I was like, this is what I do after work. Um, and she was really, really supportive. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what made me make the leap. And then everything kind of came together. So I had to free myself to pursue my dreams, really. In Between Shows, keep the conversation alive with the youth in your households with our series, The Adventures of Sophie and Olivia, available on Amazon and directly on our website, pgd-innovations.com. The link is in our show notes. Don't forget to check out our merchandise and we have some limited time gear only that's available this season. Don't miss out. So one thing that I like about Brittany, I'm going to say it's another point on team nuclear penny because she definitely came from my tribe. Not only did she run track like I did, She also had no idea what she wanted to do coming out of school. And then when she got the opportunity, it was like, all right. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm going to do this and this is going to work out and I'm going to make the best of it. And that's, that was definitely a huge takeaway from our conversation with her. Mm -hmm. But I get, you know, recurring theme, right, Rachel, that we're hearing. You don't have to know what you're going to do for the rest of your life at 18. Yeah. That should not preclude you from saying, I'm going to step out and try something different. And that's the beauty of it with all the guests that we've had is because you may not know what you want to do today at 18 or at 30 or at 40, but take a chance, get out there and just get started. And you'll be amazed at how successful you can be in it. That's not to say there wasn't any roadblocks. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's definitely challenges and roadblocks. But what we hear is that you can still overcome all of that and, and make a name for yourself. And exactly. I think just kind of hearing Brittany and, and her kind of sharing, you know, her story, it was, it was interesting. And to try something new. 
So I, yeah, I, I oh, like what, that. Oh, this was new. All of it, yeah. She was definitely fearless by that way. I definitely like that. Another thing that I liked also, because it was a very good question that you asked her about what it's like for people from our community, because it it's not a common occurrence, I'll say, yeah. for yeah. us to be involved in anything equestrian. And it's unfortunate. Like a lot of times when you think about us, you think basketball, football, Mm-hmm. Uh, you That's know it. like sport related things but sport by by way of us actually physically participating not a sport where it would involve horses or like yep. another animal as a main competitor so right. i like i like how she talked about uh giving advice and how she works with the community in addition to the therapeutic way that she works with horses yeah. And I think it just goes back to that. You may have an idea or you may want to start off something and you might look around and see no one that looks like you there, but don't be discouraged, right? You may be the first to kind of jump start it, but then also there's other people and there's other niches out there. We just got to find ways to connect with each other, to kind of support each other in, in that realm. So just like, you know, and you said something. So thinking about golf, right? We weren't known to be in golf. Mm-hmm. But once we were known, did they know us? Did we make a name for ourselves? <laughs> that we did. Same thing with tennis. Yeah, we weren't yeah. known for that. But here we go. We made a name for ourselves. Motor car. Yeah. In sports. Yeah. You know. On NASCAR um, and Formula One. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and and so I think we may not be there. We may not be the majority, but I think there's definitely room for us and it's not easy. And then Brittany kind of just shared a little bit of that. And then she kind of, I think um, you're going to listen in very soon, but she kind of talks about when someone of color kind of approached her on that and she had some advice on that and, mm-hmm. and what to do. So yeah. take us to the aspect of the horses and and the ranch and everything where the, the horses are kept. Because you said that you've ridden ever since you were smaller. So was that mm-hmm. something where it was like a community place that you went to or do you rent stalls out or do you have like your own land and your own farm space? How does that work? Just assume we know nothing and kind of just want a general idea (laughs) of how does it, how does it work? Oh, that's fine. My dad is is a horse trainer and he still is. He's been training race horses for over 55 years. So I've always been a trainer's kid. So I was just where he went. Um, I'm in California, so I do not own land because it would be a bajillion dollars. But I, (laughs) but the facility I'm at, I've been at since I was six years old. It's a gorgeous, huge facility. Okay. So I've known the owner for a long time. It's like 33 acres, beautiful, beautiful wow. facility. So I have a whole barn to myself there. Wow. So I Wonderful. rent out of that facility. And honestly, I know everybody says, get your own land, get your own land. But I'm like, yeah. look, I'm not trying to also keep up with the maintenance of that land. Yeah, I rather, <laughs> I'd rather just pay you. You yeah. know what I mean? I'd rather just pay you, keep my horses here, and then everything is taken care of. So yeah. One day, yes, my own land would be nice, but yeah. right now, my you know my situation is just fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it completely makes sense. It's like having renting a home, right, mm-hmm. versus buying. Mm-hmm. Renting, you pay your rent, you're done. If something's wrong, landlord. Versus mm-hmm. when you own, if something's wrong, mm-hmm. you're you putting on the hat, right? Yeah, like I gotta exactly. fix, figure out the plumbing. I gotta exactly. figure out the electrical thing. So yeah, I, right. I do get that. So now. 
so being a, a trainer's kid, so what, what is it? Why not just be competitive with it? Mm. So for example, you decided to do track, right? Right. Why not mm -hmm. ride as, you know, competitively or anything like that? Um, I wanted to when I was little, okay. but in the horse world, competing doesn't make you good. Mm. You okay. know, like it's so it's kind of like you're in the horse world. It's all about the horses you produce and the riders you produce. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So okay. if you're a good horse trainer and if you train people to ride well, you're going to get your credibility. Mm. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's like you can be a great basketball player but you might not be a good coach, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? So, okay. and that's, that's it in the horse world. And I wanted so much now in the equestrian community, it's all, it's too much about competing, but there's no one there to teach the basic horsemanship, the basic fundamentals. So that's where I come in and my community is, Oh, go to CBC. They're going to get you right. Mm -hmm. And then when my riders get up to a certain level, then I hit, you know, I know so many other trainers, specialized trainers in the community. So that way, if a student is interested in learning a certain style, I can send them like, hey, go to, go to this person, go to my friend or here or there. So I'm just trying to fill the gap of I'm going to teach everybody. I'm going to do the job that no one else wants to do. Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, we only want to compete. And people make money off of that. By all means, if that's your specialty, go for it. Mm -hmm. But it's it's hard to find someone to teach the basic fundamentals. Got you know it. What I mean, so. Now, is there a particular age group that you deal with? Um, my youngest is four all the way up to who knows until you can get on the horse. They can't get on the horse. No, we okay. teach. Oh, we just had um, someone who was a grandmother in like her 70s okay. come out, rode a horse for the first time. Wow. So we really just try to, you know, people want to compete okay that's fine we're going to get you to competition level and then i'm going to send you to one of my trainer friends yeah. but if you just want to come out and simply just enjoy being around horses and learn the hobby we got your back on that too yeah mm. i want to yeah. say for me i fell in love with horses because i was introduced to it very young and mm. so my family's from the island of haiti and we had a lot of land and my grandfather owned horses and i remember being so little getting on my first horse even at this age, getting on a horse, you don't realize how how high off the ground you are until you yeah. get on it. And then that's when you kind of freak out. You're like, oh, I'm yeah. really off the ground. And if I yeah. fall, this can get kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. But I think being exposed to it at a young age kind of just creates this love that you have for them. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. go riding often. I can tell you now, it's probably been over a decade the last time I got on one. But it's one of those things that, that you love. And it's good that you do. Um, do it with all ages so now i'm curious they're expensive mm -hmm. the, the maintenance of them the care and everything yes. else yeah. how do you deal with an injured horse or a sickness or something oh, yeah. just is not right with it thankfully we do a lot of preventative measures okay some people are reactive and not proactive so we are very proactive you know like yesterday i had a horse he, it's not normal for him to lay down in the morning mm -hmm. after he eats and he didn't poop on time. So I said, okay, you get the day off, taking you for a walk, you get the day off <laughs> mm -hmm. and we're changing, you know, we're taking your high yeah. fiber and protein foods away from you. Mm -hmm. Today he was totally fine. 
So okay. we really like, so we do a lot of preventative, preventative stuff. We have a horse that just came back from an injury. Our new horse used to be injured, but she's good. Not 100%. So it's like, I'm making sure I'm doing the maintenance on her now to try to prevent that. Um, so we try to do a lot, a lot of preventative maintenance. Things do happen. I have had unexpected vet bills, but my horses are worth it. So I'll pay for it. But a lot yeah. of people either we call it train off the needle where they'll just give their horse pain meds and push them through. Yeah. But it's like, don't put a bandaid on it, actually fix the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's going to um, keep recurring. Yeah. yeah. And because we deal with kids and teenagers and adults, we deal with everybody, you know, we need to make sure we keep our horses happy. So I really do invest the money in them to give them the food, the supplements they need and everything to keep them happy so they could do their job and stay happy at their job. Yeah. So now let's put some things in perspective. You are a person of color. Mm-hmm. So what is your experience just in this entire world for you? Mm-hmm. I just remind, kept had to keep reminding myself, I love horses and they make me happy and I'm going to do what makes me happy. <laughs> That's literally all I can think of. They do think I'm the help. I clean my own stalls. They, I don't get respect until people see me in the arena because we're at a huge show facility Mm -hmm. until they see me ride or until they see me teach. They're like, Oh, so growing up, we're not surprised. Yeah. My dad told me growing up, you have to be the best. He was very hard on us, my sister and I, Mm -hmm. which, you know, which is totally fine. But he's like, you have to be the best. You cannot give anyone a reason to talk bad about you. You Mm -hmm. always do right by people. He basically said, live your life where no one can speak bad on your name, mm. period. And he said, if you get a horse in, you send them back out better than they came from. Yeah. Your horses represent you. Your horses better be groomed. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't have a hair out of place on a horse or in our barn. Our, like, nothing. Yeah. So um, it's it wasn't easy. It's still not easy. I had a girl today. You know, I told her, and she was like, oh, at our other barn, you know, the vibes were off. I said, yes, because you're black. That's when she's like, I know. I said, yeah. I told her and her mom, I said, you need to be the best. And yeah. if you need to come out and learn, that's fine. And I've had other clients with the same situation. I told them the same thing. Like, you have to go out there and shut them all up and ride. I said, yeah. your riding speaks for you. So, um you know, now it's still the same. It hasn't changed, but I've established enough of a reputation to get respect from people, mm-hmm. even people way older than me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, I know I can ride. I know I can train. I just loved all of our conversation with her. I really do. I love her. I love her journey. I love that her journey isn't over. I love that there's a creative way to not only do her business, but how she was able to do it in a multifaceted way. Meaning that, so she has this dad that trains horses. So she understood the business from that perspective. But not only did she ride, she said, okay, I'm going to come in. I want to train people to ride horses and understand that. But she also, from her experience in mental health, said, I want to take this into a therapeutic way also. And help people from that perspective. Because you guys, because yeah. I think a lot of times when you think animal therapy, you always think about cats and dogs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you never think about something like horses being something therapeutic that you then would do as a form of therapy. 
You're right. You're right. And for her to kind of just marry the two, I mean, we need more people like her. Mm-hmm. We absolutely need more people like her. And for her to be effective, she does this because she loves it. And I think, she, you know, she had an opportunity to even share with us. Um, I'm not sure if we caught this on our recording or if this was just us kind of talking with her. But one of the things she just takes pride and joy in is that feedback and seeing how people just react when they get on a horse for the first time or when there's anxiety around it and they just feel so good about it. She's like, that's the highlight for her. Mm-hmm. Absolutely makes her say, this is worth it for me and why I'm doing what I do. And just to hear her say that, you can tell it was just infectious. She loves what she does. And that's the kind of person, you know, if you are interested in ever wanting to get on a horse, learn more about horses, she's definitely the kind of person and energy that you want to be around. Yeah, very passionate about it. I'd say and encourage anyone, especially uh, in the immediate Sacramento, California area, definitely go check her out. Go into our show notes and you will find all of the links. We'll have the link to her link tree. Uh, her Instagram, her TikTok, and her website directly so that you can see all of the services that she provides. If you are someone that horses still aren't for you, you love animals from afar, that's okay too because you also can donate to help others be able to get the therapy that they need through working with Brittany or just be able to have the resources to be able to get with her and maybe turn a hobby into a business one day like she did. So, yep. Yeah, definitely check her out. You can find her for those that like to write and don't want to go into the um the notes. I don't want to judge. So, you can find her on TikTok at Brit underscore 90. You can find her on Instagram at Brittany Horsemanship. And then you can find her uh, Linktree, which is also attached to her TikTok. But if you just want to go there directly, Linktree slash Brit with three T's underscore C. And then you can find her website, www.brittanyhorsemanship.com. And I'll tell you what, looking at her social media, you can't fake passion like that. Oh, you cannot. Like you she, cannot. she knows how to rehab horses. She can tell the energy of horses and based on the energy of the people that she's working with, which I thought was very interesting when she talked about that, um, that based on your energy or your anxiety, she knows the right pairing of the horse so that you don't end up in a situation where you spook the horse or something like that. And it's like a bad experience. And that speaks a lot. That She's authentic and and you definitely get that from meeting her talking to her so it was it was absolutely super fun kind of engaging with her and walking through memory lane remembering my first experience on a horse um definitely magical for me and for you rachel i know it was yeah that's traumatic there's there's nothing i can yeah. say about that yeah, that's I was just say, wow nothing magical but we need, about that but we need a redo so at some point we will redo that so that you can um the horses can save face Well, she did put the offer out there that we could come out to Sacramento, that we could ride horses, and she's going to take me through her process that she takes everyone through, that she she is holding firm. Uh, Money back guarantee, but you're not going to get your money back because I have a 100% success rate 
So I'm all right. I'm gonna take I'm, her up on that offer. I'm I will be open. have behind the scenes footage for our viewers and listeners. Yeah, yeah. So we are um as we wrap this episode, we will drop a teaser that we are looking at our schedule uh going into 2023 so we can get back on the road and start to a day in the life, kind of how we started out. And we started doing that, but then unfortunately the pandemic hit and then we kind of, yeah, uh, as we all did, had to take a hiatus. But now we want to get back to our videography roots, so to speak. Let's do it. Yeah. So that'll be coming down the line. Now, what does birds, money, and Brian Bristol have in common? everything everything y'all you heard it here first so tune in next week where we hear about pigeon loans where we sat down with owner operator it guy developer of his own company and did i mention he's 25 i didn't mention that nope nope so he came out of school worked a nine to five had a dream and built Uh, a business out of a multi-billion dollar industry so tune in next week and you can hear all about it any final thoughts Eunice nope I'm just ready to get back on a horse yeah with your magical story who wouldn't (laughs) (laughs) well listen in to our next week's episode